Welcome to the Hardware Asylum Podcast. This episode, we talk about the latest news from EA for Battlefield 1 and transition into the Zotac GTX 1070 Ti Amp Extreme. I'm your host, Dennis Garcia. With me today, I have Darren. Darren, a few days ago, I saw a news article coming out of the EA camp. And I believe in there, they kind of leaked a new game. Well, it's an interesting article, Dennis, and I think I know exactly the one you're talking about because first, Electronic Arts announced a delay to their hot-anticipated game, Anthem, which was supposed to be out, well, already, I think, but it's been pushed now into 2019, and that's a pretty impressive delay. But that's not even the part that gets me really most excited. Delaying games is nothing unusual, although EA is spinning this as, oh, we meant to do that. Well, hopefully it doesn't turn into another... Uh, Duke Nukem forever, right? Yeah, and that does make people wonder if this is going to be another Titanfall where they need to put a little more spit and polish on the game because it's not ready for mass consumption. And let's face it, there isn't a lot of competition in that space right now other than, you know, the same old. There just haven't been a lot of new games. And that's why the other little bit of news caught my attention. So, yeah, I think Anthem looks great, even though it's kind of a mashup of a lot of things we uh, have seen before, at least in movies lately. A paragraph here, I'm looking in the article, says, there's no question that Bioware needs Anthem to be a hit so that it will be a case of lessons learned whenever the specifics of the official Anthem won't be out until 2019. And I think we should, you know, uh, probably put the link to that footage out there because it is one of my most anticipated games for 2018, now early 2019. And it's going to be interesting to see if they make it to Christmas. But as you know, Dennis, I'm a huge Battlefield fan. You think? I'm pretty sure you are, yes. So we haven't talked about Battlefield in a while, and I'm going to just take us straight to the point here that Electronic Arts is sort of soft confirmed, and you'll have to read the article and see if you agree, that there's a new Battlefield coming in 2018. That's this year. And that's been additionally reinforced by the fact that the most recent round of Battlefield updates have come out. So maybe those will be a little bit of fun to talk about, and we can speculate on whether the names and the content hint that this is the end of Battlefield 1. Let's talk about what's new in Battlefield 1. Now, folks out there, if you didn't know this already, I used to be a competitive Battlefield player back in the day and still play pretty regularly as an admin for Edge Gaming Organization or EGO. Um, We'd love to have you out, and we do have our own Battlefield 1 server now. So there's a plug for my crew, if you're listening out there. But the biggest news is that Battlefield 1 has released some new content, and this content is being quoted on the Battlefield 1 news site as the beginning of the end, the new operations campaign. So the beginning of the end, Dennis, like, could this be the last planned content? I don't know. Well, this is a pretty impressive amount of content. Now, what we have out already is a couple of new maps that we're playing right now and a lot of new information. So I want to talk a little bit about these because they're so much different than the rest of the content. And they got me a little bit excited because both maps are good, although maybe a little bit, I don't know, vehicle heavy. The new maps were designed to put an emphasis on naval combat. So there are two of them, the Helgoland Blight, Helgeal, I don't know what it is. Helgoland. Yeah, it's like Hell Lego Bite or the Hell Lego Bright. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, it's a it's a naval clash on a, a great new map. And this one's really interesting because it's an island that is cliff-based. And so you play the outside edge of the island, which means that your 
troops, if you will, are always exposed to the vehicles. And there are lots of boats on this map. Each team starts with a destroyer, a bunch of the lighter boats, and for the first time ever, an attack blimp, Dennis. An attack blimp. So picture, if you will, a blimp that has five different positions, including the pilot. It's a gunship. It is a blimp gunship. But what makes this thing maybe most interesting, the C-class airship is what they're calling it, Mm. is you can vary your height and distance. It moves very quickly, so it's a great scout vehicle. It has, as I mentioned, bombing and anti-air positions on it, but it is super fragile, which means that you have to manage how much damage you're taking very actively. So it, so the, the glass cannon approach, right? Yeah, very much so. And that's why I mentioned that it's more of a scout-type vehicle. Now, it's a lot of fun to play, but you do need to get really as many kills as you can before you get taken out by those, you know, overzealous pilots in their attack planes. So that one has, I think... Some really great things. One of the things I noticed also is that they have redone their water. Now, you may love it, you may hate it, but the water effects are different and maybe more realistic because you're more likely to have your vision blurred by water effects or splash effects, which uh, does add some realism, but it changes the way the water looks and moves in the map, creating a really almost a storm-tossed sea. Everybody has a different approach to how they handle water in a game. And in some games, you know, the water might look perfect in the way that it interacts with the light, but then when you walk on it, it just falls apart. I have to say that I was really a little bit surprised that this late in in the Battlefield 1 world, and it really hasn't been that long, but in the era of modern video games, that it's it's not a new game. No. And a generation old because Battlefront has come out now and revised the map, and I think that maybe the influence of Battlefront 2's water effects is what we're seeing trickle down into Battlefield 1. The fact that they changed it so late in the cycle was kind of interesting. Now, the second map is called Zeebrugge. I believe it's a German word. Zeebrugge, I think, is right. Yeah. Uh, I like this one because this is the most linear of the maps. Now, at first blush, it looks like a dock, Dennis, where you're working your way from land out a shipping dock, and it has multiple points across it. So one team is defending this dock, which has the five, I think it's five positions across it. And, of course, you can spawn the small boats as you work going across it. Both teams have a destroyer on this map as well and an airship. You are attacking these docks or defending them. So as the attacking player, you don't have any spawn points on land when you start. You only have spawn points in the boats. So you have to go and unload onto these things. Now, the linear piece of the map, and it is, it's a wide dock, so it has buildings and upstairs and downstairs locations on it, like you would imagine from a shipping dock. It's very linear, so it lends itself to range attacks, snipers, and the medics, which I think have been buffed in this most recent patch, so their lever-action rifles are much stronger than they used to be, have become a really huge piece of the puzzle where you can, uh, as a close combat assault player, for example, get shot by players that you can't even necessarily see if you're not paying attention. Well, that happens to me all the time. <laughs> you know, that's how I feel too. But you're working your way up and down this dock. And again, the naval combat, the focus here, there are less airplanes, more boats. Mm-hmm. And I like the fact that all but I think one of the flags can be taken from the water. So if you overwhelm it with boats, you don't actually have to get on land. But that does have on the dock place guns that can shoot the boats. A different strategy for sure. Again, both of these maps have kind of unique takes on the naval and vehicle combat. Now, neither one has any tanks, but they all have air attacks and much stronger and more numerous place guns, including anti-aircraft guns. Yeah, well, the tanks were a big part of the first early maps. Absolutely. 
And in the last batch with the French, we saw the larger tanks and the big Blitzkrieg tanks that are not present. So when you do get the Bohemoth, if you're losing by a large enough portion now, you're going to get a giant uh, destroyer battleship type thing with lots of place guns and lots of hit points. But unlike in the other maps that were just released, the Achibaba, for example, you uh, do not have a very long lifespan in those boats because there are so many torpedo boats that can swarm against you. And that's why the destroyer is such a powerful piece because it is almost a dreadnought style boat, but it does respawn on the map. And it's nice to see some additional achievements and weapons being added to the game that help balance that out and give you some more options to shoot at the boats. Yeah, so in terms of strategy on that, though, do you have to use the boats to attack the the destroyer, or is it more of a... Yes, or the place guns. Now, the place guns on the dock, especially in, in the newest German map, are a little bit difficult to destroy from the boats, but they're relatively easy to destroy from the air. They're set down a little bit. So your light attack boats might have one or two good hits from these guns, and that's that's the counter for that. But it, it's very interesting to see this new style of play, and I, I find that it's very interesting. Now, there are a couple other quick things that I want to mention. One is, and this is not something that you'll find in the Battlefield 1 news, but it's worth a Google, is it seems that Battlefield 1 has brought back what is the newest version of the Phantom program. Now, if you played Battlefield 4 for any length of time, you're probably at least peripheral aware that there was a Phantom program, essentially a huge series of Easter eggs that were put out in a new batch of maps. The end purpose of the original Phantom program was that you would do a series of unlocks and some crazy stuff with some Morse code and clicking switches and basically getting lucky with some spawns would eventually make it so that you could ride into a secret area, and I don't want to spoil it too badly because people are still really playing Battlefield 4. If you were able to do it, you would unlock some cool dog tags and you would also unlock a pretty rockin' compound bow that shot explosive arrows and stuff, kind of Rambo-esque. Now, of course, as that game sort of sunsetted, they eventually acquiesced and kind of gave everybody access to the bow, which made a lot of people that worked so hard to get that original Phantom program. Yeah, but at least you got your Phantom dog tags, which you didn't get if you unlocked that bow later without going through all the Easter eggy stuff. But... I digress. In Battlefield 1 right now, and if you're listening to this and you don't know, there's a version of this on one of the maps. I'm not even going to tell you which one, but I will tell you that it involves boats. Boats. Boats, because everything now involves boats in the new content, but it's not one of the two new maps we discussed. However, should you walk through this process that involves boxes in the right order and switches in the right order and smashing lights in the right order and decoding Morse code. And I feel like I may have missed a couple of steps. It's not easy, my friends. You will end up with a really cool skin for one of your heavy weapons. Nice. And that's all I'm going to say. Cool. Speaking of boats. Speaking of boats. You told me a story about how you were trolling on your server with a little PT boat, and you ended up getting the top score just by driving around and shooting stuff. (laughs) It's true. If you are on a map, especially one of the new maps, and you're in a PT boat, which is one of the little boats, um, you can wreak havoc on the ground troops. Now, of course, you know, a veteran team is going to shut you down. But you can, because on both of these maps, almost all, if not all of the points can be captured from the sea, gives you the opportunity to really take advantage of that. And it's a little bit of fun if you have a good crew, because you can drop them off to take flags, and they can continue to spawn on you, which gives you points. 
You can shoot at people, which gives you points. You can sink boats, which gives you points. And in general, have a pretty good time. And while the maps are new, yeah, I have to admit, I did take advantage of a couple of them where people are not used to using the boats. They're not very handy, so they weren't spawning in the boats, which meant it was pretty easy to rule the sea. <laughs> that just seems <laughs> like fun. One last piece of Battlefield news that I feel like I should point out. Battlefield is finally addressing the cheaters. Oh my gosh, Again. not the cheaters. So as you know, Battlefield uses their in-game Fairlight cheating service. And it's always been there, but as you know, it is always a growing escalation, if you will, between the cheaters and the anti-cheats. Yeah. This is true in every game. Right. Now, in terms of the cheats, is this kind of like one of the little bot overlays, like what were really popular in the Quake 1, Quake 2 days, or is it... What seems to be most popular is a a, a set of cheats, and, and there are different variations of them. I mean, we've always seen the ones where you can see everybody on the map and that kind of stuff because that, you know, that's really easy to do client-based. But we're seeing harder to detect ones that damage amplifiers. So it doesn't look like you're cheating except for your weapons do a little more damage than they should or they shoot a little bit further or they're more accurate. That kind of stuff that affects hit detection. And we're seeing that uh, really coming on. But EA has finally come back around. I guess that now that they've got Anthem mostly in the bag and they're releasing this new thing, They've upped their Fairlight system, and one of the most intriguing parts of this is they used to put out a message every time someone was banned by Fairlight, and it would pop up in your game chat as kind of a constant reminder that Fairlight was doing its job. And happy or sad, it's increased to the point now where they are now putting out global messages that say 24 people were banned or 30 people were banned. And part of the reason for this is their last round of anti-cheats is now aggressively taking out people at a much higher rate. Now, this is true in not just Battlefield 1, but games like PUBG, for example, are now banning people at a much higher rate than they ever had. Now, do you see cheaters when you play a game? Yeah, any popular online game is always going to have cheaters because of that arms race. They can't patch the cheats faster than the cheats are being created. And it gets better and better, but as this game sunsets, we really have to make a choice as to whether or not we believe that EA is going to continue to chase the cheats as they're developed or whether they're going to sunset this game in favor of this new Battlefield game that may be out by Christmas. And the rumor is it could be October. So, hey, they went back to World War One. The biggest question is, if there's a new Battlefield coming, what theater will they choose? Will they go back to the future? Is it time to update Bad Company, one of the most popular games? Mm, I don't know about that. Only time will tell. So if you're out there and you haven't played Battlefield 1, it's gotten very affordable. They're still putting out great new content, still placing cheaters, and you can still come play with me. We'll hope to see you out there. Holy cow, Darren. I'm doing two introductions in one podcast that's exciting it is super exciting but and i'm really excited about this next thing that we're going to be talking about do tell it's the zotac gtx 1070 tie what a or video TI. card yeah or ti or tire i don't know which way i want to call it yeah it's a video card so why is it that we're talking about a video card on the podcast um because we haven't talked about a video card on the podcast in like forever so this is kind of a special video card i noticed it is the Zotac Amp Extreme.
Extreme Ignition. Yeah, Amp Extreme. It's the super overclocker version that allows you to overclock super. I might want to take a look. Can I take a look? You can take a look. The box right here. All right, I'm opening it. Okay, radio again. Shuffle, shuffle. shuffle. Do some background noise here. All right, there's no card in here because it's in my car. No, it's not. Oh, right, no, here it is. It's right there. It's right oh there. Oh, gosh, this thing is, this thing is heavy. Well, all good things are heavy, I think, maybe. All right, I got it. Ooh, is that carbon fiber? Um, maybe. I think it's a sticker. Oh, it looks good. Yeah. All right, so tell me about this thing. What am I holding in my hands? Well, we already know. It's a Zotac GTX 1070 Ti Amp Extreme. And it's heavy because it has three fans. Three, one, two, fans. three. And it is a two and a half slot cooler, which is totally overkill for any sort of 10 series GPU. And it comes with a custom board. Ooh, the backplate is pretty. In yeah, backplate's pretty. It's got the, the Zotac um, little yellow swipe thing. And oh, he just pointed out a gold thing. Uh, it says power boost right on the back. What power, is that? Power boost. This is a capacitor. Nice. So in the early days of, I'm going to say probably the 775 and early Sandy Bridge days, Asus was putting this big old fatty capacitor on their VRMs for the motherboards that would help level out the power delivery to the CPU and helped with overclocking and helped with stability. And it really was just kind of, really kind of cool. Well, there was, let's see, Zotac was doing this and there was another company and I forget their name right now. So if someone knows, you can write it in the comments below, but they started putting these capacitors on video cards to help even out overclocking power delivery, much in the same way they did it on video cards. Our that, motherboard, sir. That makes sense because we've done that sort of thing in car stereos and home stereo designs for a long time. I have to tell you, this is an attractive card. The backplate looks really great. And I know you talked about the size of this cooler, but it's kind of difficult to describe how big it is. But I, I noticed that the, uh, the fan design is kind of unique too. Yeah, the fans themselves, this is a, a special Zotac design. As we know about fans, right? Just fans in general. When they're spinning the bulk of the air that comes through the fan that's being pushed is basically the last 10% of the fan blade. That's where most of the air comes from because that's where the fan ends and you have the little shroud thing. Well, you have these little slits cut into the centerpiece. And the idea is there is that you're creating multiple fan rings. So you get a little bit of airflow through the center. So it's supposed to increase the airflow through the heatsink, but who knows if it really works. So this thing is going to get benched pretty soon. Do you have any special plans for it? Oh, we're going to benchmark it, uh, obviously. Put it through the paces uh, in the standard Hardware Asylum benchmark suite. You know, it's an amp extreme, so we're going to be overclocking this bad boy. Yeah, I'm excited about that too. Although it's kind of a shame to take that beautiful heat sink off. We definitely need to see what this thing can do. Oh, yeah. Well, so part of the review, if anyone has seen one of the GPU reviews on Hardware Asylum, is... I'll take pictures of the outside with the fan shroud and everything on there. And then I actually pull the heatsink off so that you can see how the VRMs are laid out, GPU placement, where the memory chips are, primarily just to see that the card itself is a custom-designed PCB. And some of that you can see. If you look down here about where the VRM is located, about right here, I'm pointing. Oh, yeah, radio, yeah. Right? You can see a choke. And normally you don't see the chokes there because... They're kind of flat on a reference board. And I think, no, you can't see them from the top. But if you could see them from the top, there's a big line. 
So it's a lot like the EVGA classified cards where you have this big line of chokes for the power faces. Well, it's definitely a good looking card and we don't see a lot of video cards in the shop these days. And I think even that might be worth a conversation on its own because this is not only an amazing card, but a bit of a rarity. And why is that, Dennis? Uh, there's a major, major, major shortage of 10 series GPUs for various reasons. Cryptocurrency. Cryptocurrency ruining everything. Yes. Mostly for the gamers, though. It's not really impacting the manufacturers so much, or even NVIDIA so much, or anyone that has anything to do with the card-GPU combination before it goes to the retail market. And Dennis, I have noticed that it's not only expensive to get video cards right now, but nobody seems to have them in stock, which isn't really helping the price gouging, right? No, it's not. So the the whole reason for the whole price gouging is partially that you know, when we were doing, you know, you know, we're buying hardware for our, our personal PC, you know, we know what we want. We go to the retailer and say, Hey, this is what we're after. When they say, Hey, shipments coming in on Tuesday, we'll allocate a card for you. Come in Tuesday afternoon, you pick it up and you go home. That's how, you know, the friendly go in, talk to the shopkeep and say, Hey, this is what I want. He helps you out. Well, the crypto miners have actually bought into that and say, well, you have a shipment coming in. How many cards are on that truck? So, oh, there's 50. I will buy all of those. Oh, no. Well, no wonder not there. And that does explain the new trend that I've been seeing. I know Masterop is doing this. I've seen Newegg doing it and some other manufacturers too. That you can purchase a video card motherboard combination, but you can't purchase just a video card. Yeah, and the whole reason behind that is uh, really to thwart the crypto miners you know, because if you make it painful for them, then all of a sudden this $800 video card becomes a $1,200 video card. And then they have this motherboard or monitor or gaming chair or whatever. <laughs> whatever they had to buy. That now they have to unload. So it's like, well, do I buy 12 of them and then have to sell 12 motherboards for a complete loss? Because they, they don't have the same value as when you buy them new. It's kind of like buying a car, right? You drive around the block, you bring it back yeah, we're going to give you five grand less. Hey, no kidding. Well, that kind of depreciation is interesting, but it does aid the system builders, but only if you're looking at a more complete upgrade. Yes. But the reality is the system builder has a better chance of being able to find a video card and insert whatever product combo that fits their upgrade strategy before a 50 card purchaser is going to be able to unload yeah. all those products. And of course, you know, the secondary markets, which is one thing that we've, I believe we mentioned on the podcast, when you're looking for hardware, just hardware in general, sometimes picking the used market or one generation behind is a great way to find a bargain that it might be an upgrade of what you already have. So you go out to eBay and you might find a 980 tie, for instance, 980 ties are terrible for crypto mining, which means that they're relatively inexpensive. They can't have that same price gouging because there's not the same demand, but 980 tie in a gaming PC, that's pretty good. Well, and the odds that you're going to be able to pick up even a set of matched 980s through maybe your local Craigslist or classified ads are, are relatively high because the folks that are the serious enthusiasts may already have upgraded into a 1070, 1080 and hopefully got in before the prices skyrocketed. Yeah, definitely. There's another reason for these the shortage, really, and also the price gouging. Um, crypto mining is easy to, it's one of the easy things to blame this on, right? You know, summer's coming. 
Yeah. A couple of years ago, uh, Jensen from NVIDIA during the summer had announced the 10 series GPU. And it's kind of getting around time when, you know, we might see a refresh of the 10 series. Maybe it's the 11 series. Maybe it's the 13 series. Ooh. So maybe there's a new GPU coming this summer. I'm assuming probably around Computex time. Although, you know, they're really bad about releasing hardware during Computex. So it might be before or after. Who knows? Right. But if you think about it, it's like, okay, well, we're having these massive shortages not necessarily from people buying them when they come into the stores, but also from the manufacturers. They can't get the chips to build the boards themselves. So it becomes more expensive for them. It's really hard for, you know, sites like Hardware Asylum to get a 1070 tie for review because. Yeah, there's no need. They sell no, themselves. Yeah, they sell themselves. And yeah, I believe, you know, the GPU that's in here, they get money from NVIDIA when they send out a review sample. Well, NVIDIA is not giving them that money because, hey, they're selling themselves. So why do we need to give you cash? We're going to keep that for ourselves. Well, I'm seeing a growing strategy where people are buying these boutique builds at a little bit inflated prices just because they have 1070s and 1080s in the build. And these boutique builders, of course, have uh, you know signed their contracts long before the shortage. So they're still getting the product at a reasonable price and matching their MSRP. It's probably about that time where buying a boutique PC, if you can get one that contains a 10X video card in it, makes a lot of sense if you need to upgrade and, of course, have the budget to do a whole PC all at once. Oh, yeah. Well, and at that point, you're buying a PC so that you can get the hardware to build your dream PC or something like that, right? But, uh, you know, going back to the the summer, this launch, assuming that there's a launch, I don't oh, really, yeah. I didn't really, we're speculating, right? The shortages will start about three months before that happens. And the, that is basically because all of the, the the chip makers, the actual fabs that are building the GPUs, are now retooling. So they stopped making the 10 series, and now they're going to start tooling, say it's the 11 series. Got to be. Start tooling those and then start massively making these chips so that they can have a stockpile that will go out to the manufacturers, the board makers, so that they can build the boards, Ooh. have products on display when Jensen says, hey, they're available now. 1170. Take, take my money. Reference or founder's edition. The big question though, and this is kind of a bit of an unknown, 1080 ties, 1080s, 1070s, 1070 ties, they have a lot of cores. They're really great for GPU mining, say the GPU miners. All right. So what happens when, say, an 11 series GPU comes out? Do you think the miners are going to go out immediately and buy all these new GPUs and put them in their mining rigs and then just oh. dump all these 10 series cards into the market. Well, if they're good mining units, you'd think, well, now to be fair, the jump from the nine series to the 10 series. That was huge. was pretty huge. So we're just speculating that the jump to the potential 11 series would be just as dramatic, which would be freaking awesome to be honest. It but, would be. Chances are not really. Though. But but you're right. You don't see astronomical jumps like that. And to be fair, there isn't really a market need for it because the 10X series is still killing it out there. And not just from the mining, but from a gaming standpoint. Yeah, it does 4K well. You add two of them and you can do VR in 4K. And let's be fair, ATI stuff is good and it's pretty good for mining too but they're still not pumping out the same high-end numbers. So is there a need for an astronomical jump? Not as much as there was last round. No, it's it's the NVIDIA effect, or not the NVIDIA, sorry. The Intel effect 
where we have like Sandy Bridge. Sandy Bridge, very, very capable, very fast CPU. You can still game on that CPU. Now that's like four or five years old now, right? You got Ivy Bridge, you got um, you know, new one, KB Lake, Skylake. They're all basically the same. They just have started adding new features to the chipset, adding a few enhancements to the memory controller. I mean, now we can run 4,100 megahertz, 4,200 megahertz memory on KB Lake, whereas you can't do that on Sandy Bridge. So there's some obvious increases and advantages to buying the new technology, but from a raw gaming standpoint, it doesn't make much sense. And since there was no competition, there was no incentive for Intel to say, hey, we're going to add a couple extra cores like what they did with Coffee Lake now that Ryzen is out. And everyone's all about, oh, my God, threads. We got to have threads. Well, and to be fair, they're back to an incremental on the chipsets and stuff now because that's what happens, right? You get the product out quickly and then you refine, which is something that, you know, Intel especially is famous for. Not so much in the video card market. Normally you see them fill out the high end and then kind of flesh out the low end later. So it'll be an interesting product launch if that's the case. And maybe you heard it here first. Maybe not. So who knows? Well, I'd like to take a minute to thank Zoltac for sending us this awesome TIE Edition 1070 Amp Edition card. And it looks great. I can't wait to see what it can do in the lab. But I do want to give hope out there to the folks that are trying to do system builds right now. And looking at video cards that are two or three times their MSRP, it is very possible there's another round coming. And there are some really great strategies to getting those. You can look at these packages that come with video cards or chairs or whatever, and there's an opportunity to upgrade more than one if your budget can allow. But you can also look at the places that are required to sell at MSRP, make your friend at Best Buy or Fry's, and find out when that truck is coming. And do like I did. Go stand in line to get your 1070. Good luck. For more information on the topics discussed in this podcast, please consult our show notes on hardwaresound.com. Stay up to date on the latest at Hardware Sound by subscribing to our RSS. Follow us on Twitter or like us on Facebook. This has been a Ninja Lane production, copyright 2018. Thanks for listening.